Have you had a no-show this past week or maybe sometime this month? You see those empty holes in your schedule right now created by those patients that maybe never confirmed or maybe they did confirm but just didn't show up for who knows whatever reason? How frustrating is that? It throws a huge roadblock in your production. Your momentum you had for the day slows down and you and your team lose motivation. And it also now means your team has to scramble to fill that spot. Why is this happening? Why are patients no-showing you? There's actually a couple of reasons for this. Three Fs. Think of finance, fear, or they forget. Now, 38% of all no-shows say they just simply forgot. And why do customers forget? Well, 90% don't answer calls, 19% don't check voicemails, and 88% of emails are never even open. But think about this right here, for example. What's the one thing that can vibrate right now or can ping right now, make a noise, and you'll check it immediately, right? It's a text message. It's your phone. It has to go right there on your phone like a text message. Text messaging is probably one of the best ways to reach a patient immediately. But there's a method to this madness. There's a system, an automation, and someone has built this system finally. Emeter. Emeter is an all-in-one platform that can skyrocket your Google reviews, automate day-to-day tasks, provide text messaging services, send out appointment reminders, do online scheduling, have online intake forms, and provide an excellent patient engagement ability for your team. But the goldmine of this patient engagement software is that Emeter is drastically reducing no-shows by 90%. Click the link in the show notes below to schedule a free personalized demo so they can show you how they can reduce no-shows for you in your practice. Emeter helps you connect with your patients through their preferred mode of contact. They have digital check-in and updates. They have customized and automate by visit types, and they help reduce waiting time. But like I said, I want you to see this for yourself. I want you to schedule a free personalized demo with Emeter. Check them out and how they can help reduce your no-show percentage immediately. And guys, if you like what you see from the free demo, then Emeter is offering you an exclusive deal. There's no agreements or contracts. It's a month-to-month subscription and you'll get 30% off. So go in the show notes below, click the Emeter logo or the link below to schedule your free personalized demo right now. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias, and in this episode, I am speaking with Dr. Peggy Bound. Again, I'm paying attention to every new follower, and I mean, I don't get hundreds a day, obviously, so I can keep up on this. But let's say I have a new follower, and so I'll click on their name, and I will see if they're local. If they're local, and like they're, a lot of times there's other dentists that will stop following me, or from across the country or North America. Mm-hmm. So I also reach out to them, but particularly anyone local, like, oh, this is somebody who's kind of now trying to creep on my, like, they, they don't want to ask a question. They don't want to say anything, but they're just going to start following me, right? Yeah. They, I have this copy paste thing that I do. So I have it in my notes on my phone and I like drop it into the DM. I go into the DM, I message into their messages and yet I'm not following them, but you can message them. And I say, hi, Amy, for example. Hi, Amy. You know, so nice to see you. Follow me. Thanks for that. You know, just curious. Anything I can help you with or wondering why you're, you're like looking to follow our page. And it's a personal note from me, even though it's a copy paste. It's still me that did it. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, my gosh, you cannot believe how many patients I can get from that. Dr. Peggy's such an awesome guest. I can't wait for you to listen to her speak. She graduated in 2001 from dental school and began practicing in New Brunswick. And as an associateship slash partner, she practiced for a practice that she wanted to improve her skills and be a better doctor to her community. So she started doing photography uh, to improve her patient's experience and started doing digital. She introduced digital, actually, uh, to her whole community and her practice. But something drastic happened that caused her to do a whole like 180 pivot. And it caused her to split from her partners in 2014. So listen to see why 
and what lessons she learned and what you can take away from it as well. Maybe you might be in that same position. She lets us know when it's a good idea to part ways from your partners, as hard as it can be, and how it can be scary and, and so much more. But light at the end of the tunnel, she decided to open up her own practice. So listen to see how she marketed and advertised to grow her practice. I mean, Peggy um, is pretty big on Instagram. She has almost, I believe, by the time this episode goes live, she probably will have 12,000 followers. So hear her strategy and how she utilizes LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and Facebook to attract the patients she wants. And then we also discuss how she uses AI, artificial intelligence, for Invisalign. Some of her major regrets, especially when it comes to taking loans, she talks about major regrets about that. And then we also talk about uh, how to talk to patients for treatment acceptance and so much more. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Peggy Baum. Peggy, how's it going? Great. How are you today, Michael? Pretty good. Thanks for asking. If you don't mind me asking, where are you located right now? I'm actually in uh, New Brunswick, which uh, is one of the most eastern provinces in Canada. And uh, we border with Maine. And we're about an hour and a half from the Maine border. So we're northeast of Maine, of course. And yeah, we're, we've got the Atlantic Ocean all around us. And uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty nice here. How beautiful is Maine right now? Well, it, this weather has been insane. Uh, all the weather along the eastern seaboard, I think, has been quite warm. We even had, now in Canada here, we, we have 20 degrees, you know, we use degrees Celsius. But it was uh, literally on Monday, it was 20 degrees Celsius, which is quite warm for us really? this time of year. Okay, okay. Normally, we're getting snow. I have my snow tires on, ready to go. That's good. It's good yeah. to be prepared like that. Awesome. Yeah. Peggy, so can you tell us a little bit about your past, your present? How did you get to where you are today? All right. Well, um, I graduated from dental school in 2001. And a little bit of a backstory there. I always wanted to be a dentist since I was about 14. So I graduated from dental school, like most people around the age of 25, but decided I wanted to do dentistry at age 14. I had a life-changing experience with a dentist that was new to the area. He was actually an immigrated from South Africa and come to our little rural community in Newfoundland, where I'm originally from. And he had, um, he had to really show up in a way that proved that he was you know, in essence, going to be good and, and, and a good dentist. So he really had, he was ahead of his time in the sense that he really took his time to share what he was going to do and explain things and educate his patients. And so that, that experience compared to what I had experienced before in dentistry uh, was so transformative or eye-opening for me that I walked out of his office at the age of 14 and I looked up at my mom and I said, mom, I'm going to be a dentist someday. Like I just, I thought that it was so cool that he had taken the time to explain it to me. And I really found, even though it was not comfortable to get fillings at the age of 14, it was still something that I showed that he was compassionate and he cared and he wanted to teach me. So I studied, of course, I went to um, Dalhousie University for my dentistry degree in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and moved to New Brunswick, like I said, which is still one of the Atlantic provinces in Canada, and began practicing in a group in 2001. And as I went along, I went, my original part of my career was taking a lot of photography, getting really excited about things that I could do to impress the patient and really taking my time to educate them. And in as early, I would believe as around, I cannot, I cannot 100% remember, but I believe it was around 2009 that I started using digital. So I had one of the very first intraoral scanners and we used intraoral photography, like a digital doc kind of camera from a very early point in my career, which again, at that time, most dentists weren't using those kinds of tools. And so we started doing that and I got more into it. And then I started doing more advanced courses in, you know, smile reconstruction. I did a fellowship at LVI. I did a lot of Invisalign courses and started really get interested in the results I was getting with, you know, showing my patients before and afters and getting them excited and seeing what I could do for them. So by fast forward to 2014, I was really starting to take off. I wanted to be able to market the practice we were in. It was, again, it was a group practice, two other dentists. We just had, I think, a Facebook at that time. The partners I was with, they really didn't want to market themselves that way. In Canada, I don't know what it's like in the States, but, you know, you can't really, couldn't really at that time really promote yourself. It was a little bit of, well, you can't say that you're better than anybody else. There's a lot of rules around that. So. This was very frustrating to me. And I said, you know, all we can do is share experience, the experience they're going to have in our clinic. And so 
I wanted to do things and it was really not working. So I, we, I split from my, my partners in 2014 and I built this new, uh, I still new, feels new to me, uh, state of the art, fully digital um, practice. It's very spa-like. It's, it's like a bit of a Scandinavian kind of feel. It's got a lot of white and wood and, and bright um, lighting in here. Very modern uh, practice. And I made sure that the team really understood how important it was to educate patients the way I had been educated and care about them and, and carry them along and, and give them an experience. So I think I was probably a little ahead of my time because even back in 2014, we weren't talking about the client experience like we are now. We hear a lot more about that now, but that is just sort of that was what I wanted right from when I was building. And so I made sure that I just wasn't shy about, you know, bring in the, the best technology and have the training where I could treat patients holistically in a way that I could do a lot of everything like under one roof. Then, of course, I also got into digital smile design. I became Canada's first DSD master. I'm not sure if you've heard about digital smile design or you've interviewed anyone about that, but really started uh, taking my practice to a next level. And, and it, it just worked. It fit with my practice and I was ready. So I really did. And this is a sort of like a startup then, I guess you will say, although there were some patients that followed me from the old practice. But one of the big things I want to say here is that when I left this group practice, no one knew who I was. I was just like part of that group. So as a dentist, I didn't have, there was no such thing as like a brand identity or, or me, anyone really knowing who I was. I mean, my patients knew. But I knew that, again, social media was coming, but I also wanted to stand out. I wanted my practice and my, what I was offering to really stand out. So I started to work with, um, you know, I did LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and Facebook, did a huge contest from like giveaway on Instagram. I got interviewed by different radio stations and TV and, and it was like, it was really, really cool. But it was also really exciting. And I knew that I could get my message out there because of social media. So my Instagram, um, I even started to teach other dentists about Instagram. I started to lecture on digital workflows with dentists. And so I was around 2017, I was lecturing across the country. And even I've done a few lectures in Las Vegas as well. So it's been really fun. And I love sharing my passion for dentistry. You know, if people say I could probably I work anyone in the room, I could probably outpassion anyone in the room when it comes to dentistry. I can't stop talking about it. Yes, there's stressful moments. It's tough running a practice. I do have my days where I'm like, oh, my gosh you know, like everyone, but for the dentistry itself and what we get to do, I don't know if there's any other professions that kind of get to have this sort of impact. So I love learning and I love teaching about what I do in my practice so much so that now I'm doing my own lectures. Um, I was lecturing for other companies for a while and now I'm doing my own lectures on my own and um, we're, we're taking it across the country. So that's kind of where I'm at. Still loving it. But yeah, it's the pandemic and everything's been really tough. But I think I've really taken on a lot of new technologies that have helped me overcome that a lot quicker than other doctors may have experienced. Nice. And you're also doing like courses, right, as well? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I have on-demand courses. What I realized after COVID, I realized, or, you know, when we were all going through the worst of it, realized that you know, a lot of these new systems and things that I'm implementing, a lot of other doctors will probably love to hear about how well this is working. A lot of doctors didn't know where to turn and they hadn't really had the resources to test out everything that was new that was coming at us. So I did have some really good people around me and we tried out different companies and different digital workflows that um, have made a huge difference for me and my practice, moving it, of course, to both it's general. It's a general practice, but there's a lot of advanced uh, aesthetics and reconstructive things that we do. So you need good workflows and you need good communication, right, amongst the team. And so a lot of these systems and, and workflows and the way we market the practice, I've created, I've kind of put it together in a, an online course. So that course called the Modern Dentist uh, course is available, you know, a six-week program that you go through. And then I also offer one-on-one -on -one mentorship as well for doctors. So if, you know, if they needed, like they want more than that, then we can do packages where we actually mentor doctors, you know, we weekly and give them more. But like I said, the thing that we're doing 
at the moment um, we're getting ready for us. This will probably air when we're doing it, but is lecturing live as well, going across the country and lecturing live with the team. And everything I teach, I want the teams to also be involved and learn because I, I know that <laughs> you cannot do any of this uh, without a really strong educated team. And, and so I try to make the curriculum, no matter what it is, if it's live or it's on demand, so that the team can also feel like they're part of it. And then they help the dentists bring it to life because without them, it's really hard to make changes in an office. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll, we'll kind of dive into that in a little bit here right now, but rewind a little bit. You mentioned that you experienced when you met the doctor, right? You were 14 and you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, I want to be a dentist. You mentioned that he's, he was different than what you've experienced before in dentistry. What were you experiencing before in dentistry? <laughs> well, I was left alone a lot. Um, I remember every year or every six months, my mom would take me to the dentist. We would, I would, my sisters would somehow not have cavities and I would. So there's a lot of me visiting the dentist for fillings. And it wasn't that it was like he hurt me or I would, you know, scream or cry. There's none of that. It was just that it was very impersonal and it was very, they would give me nitrous. So they would just leave me alone, like gagging on, on fluoride trays. And mm -hmm. I just remember all that. And it just felt very like a cold environment. It wasn't very friendly at all. But then when I went to this new dentist, he, the, the, you know, the, the staff or the team, we were very friendly. He explained everything. He didn't lay me back and just start working. He sat me up. There was a face-to-face -face conversation before he laid me back and did anything. When he was giving me the freezing, there was like this, you know, like reassurance as he went. So I do all this now to this day. You know, those things really made such a lasting impact on me, not just because it's a humane way to treat people. And I wanted to become a dentist, but now I knew, I know what it's like to be on the other end of that. And my patients, I have regular reports of patients feeling like they've never been treated with such compassion and care. And that means something to me, right? So that makes sure, I make sure my team also knows that that is something that we need to strive to always do. And the technology, like the internal scanners or the, the scans or the photography that we take allows us to help the patients even more take ownership and be engaged with their oral health. So just being living in, at this time in dentistry, it's so amazing because we didn't have that when I was little. But imagine if he could have also shown me my teeth in photos or in a scan. I mean, how much more I would have been wowed. But it was enough that he, um, yeah, he made that kind of impact on me. But it was, it was a lot of just a human caring and making sure that I understood and felt safe the whole way through that that was mm. huge yeah like the warmth and, and personal interest that he put yeah like just explaining things to you instead of just like all right you're you know your parents told you you got to do this let's let's make it yes. happen and then, got it got it okay yeah. that's good that's really good for uh, to keep in mind you started doing photography to improve yeah. the patient experience and digital as well why did yeah. you decide to do photography first well i think when i first began my career, my, the dentist that I began working with, he had um, an SLR. It wasn't a DSLR. It was a DSLR because it was in 2001. And he had, you know, done a few um, cases where he had documented the before and after. So I, you know, I being interested in photography always anyway, I think I'm, I've, you know, had some interest in it. I thought, you know what, I'm going to start taking before and after photos. And so I created this little album. This is back when photographs, had, you had to wait a few days for them to be printed and then you go pick them up. That's how old I am. And then you would put them in a little album. And then when the patients came in, they could look through the album. And that really was exciting to me. And I noticed I could show them things. It would also protected me as a dentist because, you know, it's like, remember how bad this was or, you know, this is exactly what, what the situation was. So I realized it was such a great tool. And I would get so excited when I'd have to go, I would get the call from the photography place that the photos were ready. Like I just, that was exciting. I would go over to lunch, my lunch hour, pick up the photos, couldn't wait to see them. The downside was that you never knew if they turned out or not until you got to <laughs> see them. So, um, you know, just that excitement of, of being able to show what we can do in dentistry. And then of course, as photography has become so much easier, I've never looked back. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't treat probably one patient, even in our office today. We don't even do fillings or regular restorations. 
without doing an intraoral camera photo. So even an intra, intraoral camera photo, which is like a little tiny camera, really goes a long way to show the patient like how much they do need the treatment, how good we are at like how we say just save the tooth. It creates that energy so that when they go to pay and yes, you know, that's the bad part of the appointment. They are like already feeling the value. Not to say that's the only reason why I do it, but think about it. You know, it really makes a big difference when a patient knows how hard you worked and what you just did for them by actually seeing. So seeing is believing is the whole the whole idea. And you have that patient trust. You have that patient, you know, commitment to wanting to do better. That's nice. And you know what, Peggy, if you feel like when I'm talking to you, it feels like you're very, like you said, passionate. <laughs> At the same time, like excited about it. Photography, oh, yeah. doing digital. Was there any moments where you were super frustrated with digital and you're like, I don't I can slow it down. I don't need to. I, let me put pause right now. Yeah. No, I have had my moments. I would be lying. I think anybody who uses a lot of digital would be lying if they said they had never been frustrated with digital. I remember I was working on a full mouth case. And we were trying to do it all digital because we had done cases before that way and having to stop and go back to something that we had used. And yet, once you basically commit, you're like, no, digital is the way. And then feeling very frustrated or having the lab call and say, you know, we still can't see this or that. Not very often. Okay. And I mean, the thing was, is I was very good with PBS. I really have to say I had any problems with it. That is not the reason why I switched to digital. Now we're getting into like digital with restorative, not digital for from a patient education standpoint, but with digital for restorative. When you're talking about scanning or taking a final impression on multiple teeth or implants in multiple teeth or just implants, the experience that the patient has, remember my key thing is my is the patient experience. I want them to walk out of there saying, "Wow, I couldn't believe it's that easy. I would have done it, you know, years ago." Or I'm I'm so happy it, it wasn't bad. Like, you know, just to feel that excitement from the patient. We cannot give them the best experience possible in dentistry if we're doing PVS. It's, it's typically not a great experience, especially if you don't get it on the first shot. That goopy impression material, you can't be sure until you pull it out, right? With digital, I know immediately if it's not right, I can just rescan that one area. And it's just a little wand that's going in their mouth. It's not making them gag. We have, we have particularly, you know, very nervous patients sometimes. And they will get very anxious if something is, you know, in their mouth that long. Uh, we did, one day we did, you know, I think it was like maybe like 15 crowns and maybe nine implant impressions all in one patient on a nervous patient on one day. I have a video to prove it because I said no one's going to believe me. <laughs> and, you know, every unit fit like a glove and, and it was all done on one take, right? And so you can't, it's just, you know, that's extreme. But, but generally, I've been doing a digital impressions since 2009 and I, I have a lot more days where I love the digital and fewer and fewer. I mean, as the technology has evolved, of course, being an early adopter, you get to experience the frustrations, right? Um, I am definitely that. But I'm also really a big believer in the patient experience. And so I will do anything to fight for a better patient experience. And that's why we're here in this clinic today with so much digital, because I believe that it is going to give our patients that, you know, modern, um, you know, more modern experience that's possible. Yeah. Is there anything right now you're kind of looking into where you're like, I want to start doing that now, digital, or trying to upgrade something. Yes and no. I mean, right now we print, we don't, we don't pour impressions. Everything's printed here. Everything is either in our lab is fully digital. We are, we've made some, even some digital dentures, fully digital dentures. We've done, I mean, that's just so rare. Um, not many people are doing that. There's still challenges though. One thing I did just recently order though is digital nitrous, which is, this has been around a little while, but it's the virtual reality so that our patients have visual and surround sound kind of experience. But for us, we typically do manage our patients quite well, even the anxious ones. Like we do well by having, you know, overhead screens with like we take them on a destination and we play the music they want and all that. But to have um, VR, like virtual reality included in your dental visit. Can you imagine? Have you tried yeah. that virtual no. reality? I haven't, I've never tried it, but I've heard practices 
starting to use it. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh man, being dived into like a whole nother world and you're like. And you know, and then you're not on it. You're not on any medication, right? You can drive home. It's just nice to be able to offer more and more things uh, to patients. And we do also something that maybe a lot of dentists are not doing with Invisalign is we have um, virtual, uh, you know, we use AI a lot for our monitoring of our trays fitting. That is working out so well. Like I cannot tell you. In fact, I, I even have an assistant who needs to work probably two days less a week because the, the dental monitoring, the, the AI is so good at catching things early. I don't have to do second rounds, third rounds of Invisalign because we track perfectly on the first round because the AI catches things so quickly. We're also doing, um, you know, like ultrasound technology for acceleration. Everything is gentle. Everything's easy for our patients. And again, with the pandemic, I hate to say it, but it actually did give me a boost because people were kind of forced to have to adopt technology a little faster. They also, um, so they're more ex- sort of accepting towards it, but also it made me implement things sooner than I probably would have. You know, prior to the pandemic, Michael, I would have said, if someone would have asked me, you know, do you have a digital practice? I would say, yeah, well, hell yeah. Like I have a really digital practice. When we were shut down, I, really got into digging deeper into a lot of the things that could maybe help protect me if this ever happened again. And the AI with dental monitoring was definitely one of them. And that's not a plug. I'm not ever paid by them to say that. Uh, I just absolutely love that technology for my Invisalign patients specifically. But what I've really done a lot more, a way we communicate with our patients is is just the workflows are are better, easier. Again, if you're if you're a patient who's doesn't ever want to get on a computer or isn't good with, you know, anything but a telephone, that is a challenge. However, because of the pandemic, most people did kind of accelerate in their um, openness to adopt such practices, right? Yeah, that's true. Who, if you don't mind me asking, who are you using for the AI for Invisalign? So the AI is a company named called Dental Monitoring. Oh. And yeah. And the, and the Invisalign is the clear aligners that I actually use. I know there's other clear aligners out there, but I have been doing Invisalign since 2010 or 11, I think. So Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Awesome. So then if we rewind a little bit, then after that, after you did the photography, right, honed down on the digital part, which led to where you're at right now, right? Like you're fully digital. You mentioned you split from your partners in 2014. Yes. Talk to me about that breakup. What happened? <laughs> well, interestingly, you know, after I did a lot of advanced courses, like I did, you know, Invisalign, I did a fellowship at LVI. I was treating patients like whole mouth. Like I was really being able to treat and plan better. I was, you know, closing cases. I was doing a lot of really cool things that was not your average, what the average dentist around here was doing. So I was standing out particularly, I mean, I think because of my passion, again, it's, it's like not every, just because you're a dentist means you're this passionate about it. So I had a lot of great experiences and I was doing well and I kind of wanted to start to advertise or market us online. They didn't feel the same way. And so there was that tension. I mean, again, three's a crowd, maybe, I don't know. You've heard that before. But there was the three of us and sometimes, yeah, it's two against one. And it started to feel really uncomfortable. And again, I was kind of happy that they did this. Of course, always in hindsight, you're happy that something happened to you. But they did ask me to leave. And because I was going to be, I was like, no, no, I got to really try to make this work. I can convince them that we can, we can do this and we're a team. There was just too many too many differences fundamentally. And so as a group, you know, they, and it did, it took me off guard, but it didn't take me long to to stand up again and go, wow, you know what? They just gave me a pass to go create the practice of my dreams. Like they just gave me, they gave me up, but I, I I now can be as free as I want and I can create the experience that I want for patients and I can market all day long all about it. And so it was a gift, um, but it seemed like a punch in the gut on the day that I was told to leave. So, yeah. How did, uh, well, you kind of mentioned it, you, know, you said it felt like a punch in the gut, but like, how did it feel when you're like, 
man, I did all this. I'm doing this for the patient yes. and for the practice. And yeah. I'm trying to advertise. Trust me, guys, it's going to be better. And yeah. then was it just like in that moment, they're like, did they give you a reason why, like, or anything? Or I don't know how they actually felt, but because there wasn't a lot of discussion about it. But I think they felt that I was showing them up. Like, I felt they felt that I was doing things that were like not quite how they would do them because they were still very like more like traditional or low key. And it was just making them look bad. So the only way to stop that would be to let's just not have her around us. And then we can't look, you know, we can't look as like we're not keeping up. I don't know. I mean, it, again, I honestly don't hold any uh, grudges at all because I think they, they really did me a huge favor. But I really knew that there was things that had to change in order to create the ex patient experience and offer the services that I was dreaming of doing. And I was taking the courses, but then when I would get back to the clinic, I couldn't really market it or couldn't really talk about it because they weren't doing it. So then it felt like, you know, well, like, you know, maybe I would look better than them or I would show them up in some way. So it became really awkward. Um, and, you know, I, I think this happens a lot in dentistry. I think there's, you know, when you have a, a two or more dentists, it's so easy for one dentist to have a different vision. And I mean, we're all different. Um, but this whole like willingness to market and wanting to put money and time into that and, and investing in more courses and, and then you know, not being able to promote yourself in that way, it just, it doesn't make sense. But there are a lot of dentists out there that think, well, the patients will come. They know I'm a dentist. I don't need to do that. We need to, <laughs> the world's changed a lot. So I think the timing was also really fortunate for me because it was at where Instagram was starting to really take off. And it was, I mean, now I have a YouTube channel, I have Instagram, I do all kinds of uh, educational things. And uh, I even have my own podcast. <laughs> Well, that one's for dentists, though. Uh, but the point is, is that it's it's very exciting to me. I can't stop sharing what I do and what I and and they didn't have that. They were not feeling that. So you know, it's hard to say. But I am just so fortunate, I think, and happy that that did happen to me. So if that's happening to someone out there, you know, like seems stressful at the time, but everything ends up taking care of itself, and and the you end up finding the right people and. The, and luckily, like I said, I didn't have to say to them, listen, guys, I want to leave. Uh, they they kind of did it for me. So it was good. Yeah, that's good. So looking back now and for the people who I'm sure listeners are going through this, some of them, when would you say is like the signs or when is it a good idea to start parting ways? If a partner or an associate is is sort of holding you back. So if you're, you know, you, you have this knowledge or you want to take the practice, not letting one another explore. I think we need to not hold each other back. And to see that, I mean, they, if, to me, if they had let me do what I was, we could have really taken that practice to great heights because we're all have strengths in different areas. But that's what I think in a group practice, you need that diversification anyway. If everybody's trying to do all the same things all the same, all at the same time, it doesn't really make for a robust practice. And then we're talking about going into a recession now and in the, in the new year and all these things. But the more robust, the more things you can offer and the more diversified a practice can be, the better. So if there's a partner or, a, you know, an associate or someone who's trying or a senior associate trying to hold you back from like exploring that and and wanting to take the practice and trying something new then I really feel there's never it's never going to work um that is the key is you know are you really you know hungry for something to add to the practice if it's going to be adding and it's a positive thing then that is that's the only way we grow we have to change we have to evolve and 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 learn and be open to yes it's scary because we may have to take a financial risk or we may have to do uh, hire more team or we may have to buy some equipment or something like that but it's generally what i've found it always pays off so just anyone or a number a few people trying to hold you back or saying you know this this you know don't do this or, or it tends to be a red flag for me yeah Okay, got you, got you. So then how scary was it for you to just be like, okay, I'm going to do my own practice now, start my own thing instead of just be like, let me find another partner who can, you know what I mean? Who would take okay. me in? What, 
What led to that? Well, I immediately, I think it was the next day I was already, I was looking for places to go and I did have a strong family support. So my dad, you know, he's good with finance and things like that. My sister's an architect. So I was like, okay, if I, if I find a place, then I'll get her to help me with that. So I, I did have some really good people surrounding me. So it was scary. And I ended up being about, um, I probably invested about 1.5 million to build, initially build. And the money I've spent since, of course, is more on top of that. But, you know, I wasn't afraid to spend money to make money. It's never been a problem for me. I'm, a, I would say, a risk taker, but that was a pretty reasonable risk because I believed in myself and I believed in the things I was doing. I knew where dentistry was going and I didn't care about how hard I was going to have to work. I didn't even think about that. I can, like I said, I can outpassion you. I could probably also outwork anybody in the room. And I didn't care if it meant staying up till midnight, typing up my own treatment plans or doing my own social media. I didn't care. It was like, there's no plan B. It's going to work. So there's that, I don't know what the word is, perseverance or uh, determination and just self-belief that there's no, even if it had been 3 million, I still would have, could have made that work. I never let like, okay, I'm going to have to spend this. I may not get to get, I should find somebody else to go in on this with me. No, it was like, I'm going to do this. I'll set the, I'll like blaze the trail basically. And if people want to join me later, maybe, but right now I need to do this my way. Mm -hmm. So the grit, you. Okay, grit. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. grit. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, perseverance and everything too. But I mean, like you, you yeah. did it. You know what I mean? So then let's dive into your business a little bit. Who would you go with for your loan? Or did you even need a loan? Oh, yes, I needed loans for sure. So when we split, I got very little from that split. Unfortunately, there was a, there was a legal battle. It didn't go to court, but there was a lot of back and forth between lawyers. And I thought I, I did, I, I was quite, pretty stressed out. I didn't quite hire the best lawyers. I didn't know it at the time, of course, but uh, they did. And it was quite scary. So get it, once I got past that, I was still trying to build in the meantime. Um, I realized, okay, I can do anything. And then, of course, I had to plan a build here and manage all the, I was basically helping, working with a general contractor and my sister is an architect to build it. But meanwhile, practicing in another practice. And so as far as like the loan and thing like, things like that, uh, my dad, like I say, he had some background in fi good financial practices and things like that. So he would help me. We went to a number of different banks. We went to, um, we even went to, um, it's a type of thing in Canada um, the, called the BDC. It's like small business loans kind of mm. type of thing that the government, I think it's the government grants loans and things like that. I don't recommend that now looking back on it because they don't let you pay off that loan. So I have had the money to pay that all off uh, since then. And because it's the way it's set up, you can't. Whereas the bank, I've paid off the bank long ago. And honestly, 1.5 million, I had it paid off in five years, essentially. Again, the BDC couldn't, wouldn't let me pay them totally off because you can only pay down so much per year. So depending on where you're at, you can really, you know, come up with. And my dad, again, being, uh, helping me out, he's like, you know, we must, we'll keep throwing money back. We'll, we'll make sure that this is paid down. So that really helped. I mean, when you have to hire, rely on someone else in, in your own discipline, it would have been harder. But I did, of course, have, I had a really good business plan. I had, I already had experience proving that I could make a certain amount per year. So it wasn't too hard to get the money, to be honest with you. And paying it off was faster than I thought possible. Wow. So the BDC doesn't allow you to be like, okay, yeah, give us more. It's just like, no, this certain you amount. You can only pay down so much per year. So I was a little shocked at that. I'm like, I just want to be, I want to be able to say I'm loan free, right? And I couldn't do it. So you signed a contract anyway. And I didn't want to, when I did set up getting loans, I thought, you know, well, let's get a loan from half from like my bank and half from the Bank of Montreal was the bank I've used. So the Bank of Montreal, and then there was the bank, there's the BDC. And I'm like, you know, so again, you'll, you'll learn, right? If I was to give advice to someone else who's doing this, I would say you just stick with the bank and make sure that you're, if you have the money to pay off that loan, you'd be given that ability because otherwise it's just like, it's just a constant thing. And I, I, I really feel that good business practice is to definitely make money, pay yourself well, but also get rid of the debt sooner than later and, uh, and then feel really good about what else you make after that. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. So Peggy, there was a legal battle. 
Oh, no, what? not a legal battle. No, there was just a, there was a lot of between the lawyers, there were threats that came up that I felt were sort of, wow, like I didn't think that the people that I had worked with for so many years would ever come up with that. So I still don't know to this day if it was the lawyers that just wanted to create, you know, drama and make it very stressful, or it was actually my ex-partners that wanted to, like, it really started to get mean. You know, you guys asked me to leave, and yet you're being very, very unreasonable right now. So I don't know to this day, but it was, um, maybe it was more of, you know, when you have partners for years or, or business partners, I haven't been through a divorce, uh, like a marriage divorce, but I can only imagine how hard that is too, because you think you know someone, but mm. then as soon as money and divorce and everything gets involved, it's like all of a sudden these people or the people representing the people you know really get really crazy. And that, so that just really didn't sit. It was, it was just an eye opener. Maybe I was naive, but I, I really feel like the lawyers... I wonder if they if it could have been more civil and less stressful. I don't know. I I still don't know to this day. <laughs> could I ask what were what were the threats? Oh, well, so one of the things that I think it's called a shotgun clause and I don't think it's in the states, but there's this agreement that like so when when a practice is dissolving or you're sharing selling off shares, I could have this a little bit wrong. I hope I have it right. If you don't get the practice evaluated. So that was another thing. They didn't want to get the practice assessed. So I had no idea what my shares, we had equal shares, all three of us. Didn't know what my shares would be worth. So there's this clause called the shotgun clause. So if they make you an offer, the person who's selling, make you an offer. If you don't accept it, and if you like act in any way, like, oh my gosh, that's not fair. I, I deserve more money than that. They can turn around and pull the shotgun clause on you, which is crazy where they make you buy them out and they leave. It's crazy. Uh Like, I don't know if this can happen in the States, but this is one of the things. And then the other thing was, is that I felt like the equity or the the value that I had put into that practice was worth more than they were offering me. So I really did want to argue it, but I didn't fight because I said, there's no way I'm going going to buy them out. No way. Yeah. Right. So that became very stressful. Scary. Scary and stressful. Yeah, yeah. Sleep. Yeah. How did you, I mean, like, I guess for people going through that right now, what would you say is a good way to cope with that? Well, <laughs> looking back, I'm, I'm older now, of course. And uh, looking back, I would learn to make sure you're eating and sleeping and exercising and doing all these things to keep yourself sane. However, I think really, truly, the best thing is to believe in yourself enough to know that even if someone robs you of all the shares and you get very little in the deal. You get to believe in yourself enough to know that you can start over without a cent and you can still do really well. And um, I think it's that self-belief and just working on that. If you need to work on your self-esteem or your self-belief, that's helpful because, you know, there's always going to be in life someone who's going to wrong you or, you know, you're not going to feel like it's a fair deal. But fighting about it is really I mean, again, depends on the situation. Yeah. Take it for a grain of salt. But if it's just about a few hundred thousand dollars or half a million, even if it's a million dollars, okay, you can get over that because money can be remade. It can be people and relationships and your and your stress and your health cannot be recouped mm-hmm. the way money can. So you have to keep it into perspective and just get yourself together and believe that, you know what, yes, they wronged me. Or no, that's not fair. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, now where am I going to find the money? It will happen. Like you just have to believe and you have to have that, maybe that grit. But I I just let it go. I just let it go. And I don't hang on to it. I haven't ever hung on to it. I've never been bitter about it. Yeah. No, that's good. That's strong. That's good. That's your, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's good advice too. I mean, people, relationships can't really be remade once you, you know what I mean? I mean, or if you destroy your health, like if you destroy your mental health or your physical health and you take up drinking, let's say, because you're just so stressed and you're fighting them in in court and like, is it really worth that? Like, no, it's not. But you're going to make money back. You can, if you're, again, if you're a dentist and you're determined and you care and you want to, willing to do the right things for your patients, I'm pretty sure you're going to be fine. Again, we are headed into a recession, but just ignore that. You can always find ways to um, to overcome that kind of thing, I think. Yeah. Looking at the 
the bright side of it. Awesome. Okay, so then back to your business. Right now, currently, how many new patients are you getting a month? Um, I would say we have around 50 to 60 new patients a month. I do have an associate here now. She's been here for a year. And with last year, like COVID kind of coming, making a really big comeback here. I don't know what it was like where you were, but it was tough winter. <laughs> um, we we did have, you know, some problems like that. We also impl- I started it to um, to do direct billing. So we do not accept insurance anymore. That's something that we did change. And oh, in 2022, I rebranded the whole clinic. So the whole clinic has a new name and branding and all these things. So if you take it all in all, I kind of did like a, I'm willing to see like to just get burned down to the ground and then rebuild. Like that's just who I am. So I basically did that. It's been a, a more challenging year than the year before, I would say. But I, I mean, she came um, in 2021, but 2022, we've had a lot of ups and downs, I feel like as far as like, you know, the practice, like new patients and all that. And part of it is in this part of the world, and it's not a very wealthy part of the world, I'll be honest with you. Um, people feel scared to like collect from their insurance. They want us to build their insurance. They don't want to deal with it, just want to pay their copay. And, and that is a mindset. And that's also a practice that most dentists do. But I was finding since COVID that a lot of the insurance companies were being much more difficult at paying me. And I saw what my team was doing, spending the hours and hours chasing insurance companies for money that I had so some, you know, supposedly produced months ago, yeah. um, it just really frustrated me. And so I did find out from uh, colleagues of mine in the next province that they had gone non-assignment and started to just not accept insurance and they were doing fine. And I was like, oh my gosh. And they're like, they're one province over. And so if they can do it, I can do it. So again, it was just that willingness to take a chance. And I won't say that it didn't hurt me at all. <laughs> I think it did hurt me some. But I also did other things. You know, I changed the name of the practice. People were like, oh, is it still, you know, I took my name off the practice, actually. So it was Peggy Bound Dentistry. And now it's called Lux Dental Group. And that allows me a lot more flexibility, allows me to not have to be the one that everybody asked for. But at first, I wanted my name on the practice because I wanted people to be able to find me when I left that other practice. But now this is, a, this is like a luxury dental clinic. This is a very special place where we offer a lot of different things and we offer a lot of different services. And being a dental group, we could potentially even franchise this down the road or do something very special with it. So I'm, I'm not sure yet where that's going, but I do, I wanted to just, because I'm obsessed with marketing and branding, I'm gonna, not going to lie. And I was like, you know, what do you like to just completely rebrand? Let's, let's try that. So that's yeah. been a learning curve, as you can imagine. Most dentists don't ever brand to begin with. Um, I had pretty good brand going, and I basically have, uh, yeah, just started over. Huh. So then, yeah. what are you doing for marketing and advertising then to get the new patients? Well, um, a lot of things. I mean, anyone who knows a lot and much about marketing, and especially in dentistry, there's internal marketing and there's external marketing, right? Yeah. I think at any one point in time, you have to be really cognizant of your internal marketing strategy. And internally, you know, you have to have the right cheerleaders in, in on the team. You have to be sharing with patients that we are accepting new patients. Like there's little signs up. There's, there's things we do, like we do special um, extras for the patients to keep them talking, making them realize, listen, like if you had a great experience, you know, be sure to you know, to share this. We, we really do things like um, go around the community and we do, we just do different little different things as far as an internal marketing goes. But externally, I've always been obsessed with mostly Instagram, but I'm smart enough to know I have to be on uh, LinkedIn. The YouTube channel started because I just thought it would be really cool to be a YouTuber. Um, that's a separate thing. But the YouTube channel is now really taking off, even though I was sort of not making as many videos these days. But the Instagram uh, has been my biggest source, Michael, of new patients. I mean, I'm getting patients from far away. Like I'm getting patients from well outside this city and um, they're coming because they've seen so many things that I've done through my Instagram. I have never done uh, paid media yet so much. I have all the ads ready to go. They're about to be launched this week. 
Um, because I said, why not? Let's just start to try that. But generally I don't do paid ads. It's all just like organic. <laughs> and I personally answer anyone who DMs me. I personally reach out to my patients. Like if it's their birthday, I'll say something, you know, send them all these things that maybe that's more internal. But uh, as far as there as the external goes, I'm really passionate about, again, sharing what we do, being on top of, um, you know, the the different aspects of the clinic, showing the team culture, things like that, and just sharing who I am. Now, a lot of Instagrammers will not um, share like, you know, what they did that morning. Like I find a lot of dental clinics, they just, they just show very generic content. Like, I don't know if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's just like, oh, it's like happy Halloween. And then they'll do like a post about that or, but my patients, anyone who's followed me typically a number of times per week will even get to see what I'm doing. Like it could be something cool happened to me or I, I also support other businesses too and tag them and things like that. But I'm getting a lot of consults through my DMs and a lot of people reaching out. Of course, I do contests and things like that as well. Um, and we do giveaways. We'll do like the 10 days of Christmas, like 10 giveaways thing. But I think that Instagram has really been my biggest source. And I was doing virtual. I've been doing a lot of virtual. I've done hundreds of virtual consults, especially since COVID. <laughs> and I've done them through Zoom and all this stuff. But now I find my virtual consults are getting even easier because I'm doing them through Instagram. So I can meet live on Instagram. I can just DM like voice memos or I can get them to send me some photos. I give them a, a consultation like through that way. And then then and then that encourages them to book. And I and I have like a copy paste. Oh, yeah, this is one thing I do. So if someone follows me, this is a little hack, a little tip. If someone follows me. And again, I'm paying attention to every new follower. And I mean, I don't get hundreds a day, obviously, so I can keep up on this. But let's say I have a new follower. And so I'll click on their name and I will see if they're local. If they're local and like they're, a lot of times there's other dentists that will stop following me or from across the country or North America. So I also reach out to them, but particularly anyone local like, oh, this is somebody who's kind of now trying to creep on my, like they, they don't want to ask a question. They don't want to say anything, but they're just going to start following me. Right. Yeah. They, I have this copy paste thing that I do. So I have it in my notes on my phone and I like drop it into the DM. I go into the DM, I message into their messages and yet I'm not following them, but you can message them. And I say, hi, it's Amy, for example. Hi, Amy. You know, so nice to see you. Follow me. Thanks for that. You know, just curious. Anything I can help you with or wondering why you're, you're like looking to follow our page. And it's a personal note from me, even though it's a copy paste, it's still me that did it. Yeah. Um, and then, oh my gosh, you cannot believe how many patients I can get from that. Like it's, it's my hack. I can't believe it. They are so shocked that a dentist would message them right? Mm-hmm. And offer and then ask and, and it, it opens up the conversation. And then they start saying, well, yeah, my sister-in-law told me about you and I really have this dark front tooth and I really want to, you know, I, but they, ne- when, when, when were they going to DM me oh, and yeah, ask yeah, that? Yeah. They didn't know that they could do that. And then, so then they message me back. The next thing I do is I'll voice memo them. So now that I've got their information, now they're going to get to hear my voice. Now, do you know how powerful that is when the dentist actually leaves you a voice memo? It's crazy. Yeah, right? that is. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and then I'm st- they notice like, oh my gosh, she's friendly and she's easy to talk to. So now in the voice memo, I encourage them to send me photos or video or anything they want telling me more about their problem. Now I'm going to answer that with, okay, this is what I think you should do. Here's the next steps. Here's what would happen in a consult. It's going to be this much money. Let me know how we can reach you and get you booked. Okay. So the steps to this thing, right? It's like you're reaching out to them, mm-hmm. voice memo, and then possibly a video after? Or no, you kind of so just... They can send me photos and things that like, I'm like, I encourage them in the voice memo. I say, listen, all you have to do is send me, you know, just send me some pictures of what you're, what you're seeing or what you like or, or what you don't like. And... And then I will answer them with some ideas of what I would do. And I sound really confident because they get to hear my voice, right? I come across as confident. I have plan. I have the next step. I tell them like, because everything in it with social media, right? We need a call to action. So if you don't, you think it's intuitive that they're just going to follow you and start 
and call and book an appointment. Even though no matter what they see on your Instagram is fabulous. Like I could have the very best Instagram as a dentist. Patients are typically still nervous. Like they want to follow you for like a half a year or a year. Sometimes people will tell me that they've been following me for two years. I'm like, you've been following me for two years and you're just coming in now. So what I've realized is you've got to really draw them in. You've got to invite them into your home. Yes, they're peeking through the window, but that's all they're willing to do. And they actually don't even realize what they need to do next. They don't know what needs to happen, but you do, right? And if you care enough and you're excited about what you're doing, you can leave them like, have again, I make it simple. So at first it's no work for me because it's just copy paste. I change the name to their name. And it's like, listen, if you, if you want anything, just let me know. I'm just like opening the door. Now they're walking in the door. As soon as they walk in the door, they're going to get to meet me, which is my voice memo, right? Now the voice memo, they are like, wow, like, okay, she's real. Like, it's not just some, it's not, because they don't open to that point. It could be an automatic, an automated yeah. answer, right? We know those are a possible. No, it's real. Peggy herself is is basically taking the time to talk to me. And so they're, it's unbelievable. They're blown away. But it's amazing. Yeah, that's that. I'm going to take that. Like, that's nice. I like that. That's really, really good. Uh, it's personal. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's very personal. personal. And no one's, if no one else is doing that, you know, they can message, like, they can follow three cosmetic dental clinics, which around here, there's very few of those. But let's say there are three or four in your area and they've like started following all three or four. And you're the only one that does that. Who are they going to book with first, at least? They might not choose you in the end. Who knows? But who are they going to actually, like, so in that second time I, I talk to them, or third time, I'm going to leave them our number, or I'm also going to offer for my team to call them. I'm like, listen, if you give me your number, I will, I'll get my team to reach out to you tomorrow. How does that sound? Or they say they will call me. And then if they don't, I also follow up. So let's say it's been like a week or two, and they, you know, the, you know, I'm like, how did you make out? Did you get an appointment? Were you able to successfully book with us? It's all about the carrying the patient through the journey. And that's all that stuff that happens. That's external marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So you asked me a question and I've answered it like the long way around, but I wanted to give your listeners like that gem because I honestly, that is just like, I can't believe how well it works. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Peggy, thank you so much for being with <laughs> us. It's been a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Okay, well, Instagram. I might actually leave you a voice memo. <laughs> <laughs> My Instagram is at dr. Dr. Peggy, P-E-G-G-Y, bound, B-O-W-N. And that's my Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn, Peggy Bound. And also um, my YouTube channel is Peggy Bound Dentistry if you want to see any of those. And my email uh, is peggybound at iCloud.com. So I have a number of emails, but, you know, I do check one more than the others. So if there was something specific, but in my Instagram, in the link in my bio, you there's different ways you can reach out. So you can get, like I say, one-on-one coaching. I do a lot of coaching with you know, practices and, and dentists, or you can uh, look more into the courses and things that I offer. And I'm going to be doing another live event in Toronto in the new year. So nice. So guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below. Definitely reach out to Peggy. And Peggy, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. And we'll hear from you all soon. Right. Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure uh, being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. And Peggy, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We appreciate you guys. If you have any questions or concerns, you can go in the show notes below and reach out to her there. And don't forget to try Amateur for free. That's E-M-I-T-R-R. Try it for free. Personalized. They're going to do a personalized demo for you for free. And it's a complete patient interaction and engagement platform. And they help with skyrocketing your Google reviews. They automate day-to-day tasks. They help with text messaging, appointment reminders, online scheduling, intake forms, customer engagement, and so much more. And they do all this in one platform. But the main reason I like them is because they're actively eliminating no-shows. They help with actually confirming patients, uh, creating an active on-call patient waiting list, uh, getting quick responses from patients who are late to their appointments, and aiding last-minute cancellations and no-shows. I mean, they're fixing all of this. So go in the show notes below and click on the first link in the show notes and schedule a free personalized demo. That's all. No strings attached. 
I mean, you'll see how they're doing a lot of great things to automate tasks that your front office has to do, which opens up more time for your front office to answer those phones, to be more efficient, right? To do the more important work. But they're also reducing and drastically reducing no-shows. So if you had a no-show this past month, go schedule a free personalized demo. All right, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.